Welcome to the Holmesville Church of the Brethren. This is the worship service for March 10th, 2024. It is the season of Lent. Join in our call to worship. On our worst days, God is good. On our best days, God is good. When life is consistent, God is good. And when life turns on its head, God is good. Day and night, Monday through Sunday, God is good. God is here. God is love. Hold tight to that good news. Let us worship God. Holy God, we often find ourselves moving through a world that does not make sense. Like Peter, we want to yell out, this should not happen. We want to control scenarios beyond our reach. We want to hold your world in our hands. Forgive us for the moments when we lead with declarations instead of curiosity. Forgive us for arguing when we could listen. Soften our hard edges and teach us how to hear your voice. With hope in our hearts we pray. Amen. Burden of 
heard today is from the new book by Kate Bowler, Have a Beautiful, Terrible Day. God, I come to you as I am. It is all I have, really. And the next one I'm conscious of will be the same. I can feel the way I move moment to moment without the comfort of solutions. It seems wild to me now how I imagined any once-and-for-all cure for this or a master plan to ensure things will work out. But truth be told, that's always been my secret hope. So God, let's try again. I'm begging for a new plan. I want a plan that is an unplan. I must keep moving and planning, trying and changing, knitting my days together even as they unravel. So can we do this together? Remind me to pray. Come, Lord, and quiet the worry. I step and you steady me. I give and you keep my hands open. I act and you fortify me with courage to try and try and try again. This life is uncertain, Lord, but your love is not. You tell the story of my life regardless of how little I know about how it ends, except to say, you were there since the beginning, and you appear on every page. Amen. We continue our series, A Wandering Heart, Figuring Out Faith with Peter, with a story that Peter would probably be happier if we would all forget. The scripture is Matthew fifteen twenty-one through 26. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed, and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this must never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Then Jesus told his disciples, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? Or what will they give in return for their life? I'm fixed upon it. Peter might have wondered why Jesus had brought them here. Here to Caesarea Philippi, here to the center of pan-worship, where no good Jew went willingly. No, this was no place for an observant Jew to be, here where Augustus Caesar had his pagan temple, here where water flowed from the gates of Hades, 
here where sin and idol worship stank to the heavens. Why here? But if Peter wondered, if any of them wondered, they did not speak of it. By this point, they would have followed him anywhere. After all they had heard and seen, the healings, the miracles of bread and fish, the wonderful teachings, even the raising of a little girl from the dead, there was no doubt that where Jesus was, was where they wanted to be. So to those gates of hell, to that capital city of sin, no matter. Jesus would take that city as well. There was no fear where Jesus was. And as they walked in that pagan kind of country, in that occupied homeland, they talked. Jesus asked them questions. Who do people say I am, he asked. And they answered a few at a time. Some say John the Baptist alive again. Some say Elijah Some say, not Elijah, but one of the prophets. Of course, they had heard the talk. People talked about Jesus. But then Jesus stopped and looked his disciples in the eyes. But you, he probed, his bright gaze on each of them, who do you say that I am? And Peter felt it in the pit of his stomach, that heart-stopping feeling like facing the mob, that swooping butterflies feeling like falling in love, and he could not hold back his answer. It jumped from the pit of his stomach to his throat in a moment. You are the Messiah, the Anointed One, Peter blurted. There was a shocked moment of silence in which Peter's words echoed back from the stone walls of the nearby buildings. A moment only in which eternity spoke with Peter's voice. Tell no one, Jesus charged. The look on his face told them he meant what he said, although they could not have told you why. Do not tell anyone about me. And then he began to teach them something that none of them was prepared to hear. The Son of Man must suffer many things, he began. He will be rejected by the chief priests and the elders and the scribes, and he will be killed. After three days he will rise again, he stated plainly. His frank look told them he meant what he said. But the rushing of blood in Peter's ears would not allow him to take it in. No, 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 his heart pounded. His mouth went dry. His feet were moving before his brain had time to catch up. He took Jesus' arm and steered him a few steps away, his big fisherman's hands catching at the carpenter's shoulders. Heaven forbid, he cried, half crying, half whispering. This shall not happen to you. Peter had never meant anything more certainly in his life. This could not, would not happen to his friend, his Messiah, his Lord. But Jesus tore away and turned his back to Peter. Get thee behind me, accuser. You are not thinking of the things of God, but those of men. Peter stood shocked. It was as if he had been slapped. 
but Jesus, softening, took him gently by the arm. He stepped closer to the other disciples and beckoned them to come near. Softly, but in a voice that carried to every listening ear, he said, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Did they hear him? Of course. Someone later told someone else what Jesus had said, and someone else wrote it down so that we could hear him too. But did they listen? Did they listen? Peter had confessed Jesus as the Christ, the Son of the living God, but did he know what that meant? Or did Peter think that Jesus would become a political leader, would proclaim himself king, would throw out the hated Romans? Did Jesus see that as a temptation with Peter as the tempter? Jesus had already eschewed political power during his time in the wilderness. He could have seized power if he had wanted to. But Jesus walked a higher road. Again and again, Jesus called his disciples to listen. Jesus called them to hear things they did not, could not understand. Jesus called them to eat his body and drink his blood at the Last Supper. And he told them that every last one of them would fall away. He said that one of them would betray him. He told Peter that he would deny him. Did they hear? Yes. But did they listen? Did they listen? As the words of Jesus echo down through the centuries, do we hear? Do we listen? Or do we tell Jesus what we think? Do we argue with Jesus? Surely Jesus did not mean what he said. There are some Christians who, like Peter, want to tell Jesus what to think. Some Christians still want Jesus to be a political leader and one on their own terms. The Reverend Dr. Russell Moore, Editor-in-Chief of Christianity Today magazine, resigned from the Southern Baptist Convention in 2021 after years of being at odds with other evangelical leaders. Moore criticized the Southern Baptist Convention, response to a sexual abuse crisis, and its increasing tolerance for white nationalism in the community among other issues. Moore said that multiple pastors had told him they would quote the Sermon on the Mount when preaching. Someone would come up after the service and ask, where did you get those liberal talking points? Moore said, what was alarming to me is that in most of those scenarios, when the pastor would say, I'm literally quoting Jesus Christ, The response would not be, I apologize. The response would be, yes, but that doesn't work anymore. That's weak. 
when we get to the point where the teachings of Jesus himself are seen as subversive to us, then we're in a crisis. Brothers and sisters, are we listening to Jesus, or do we try to fit God into our own safe little boxes, making sure God behaves in the way we think God should behave? Do we only entertain God when God hates all the same people we hate and thinks all the same thoughts we think? Or do we dare to follow Jesus all the way to the cross? Do we dare to allow ourselves to truly listen? to be subsumed in that greater life of God. Brothers and sisters, let us pray. God is listening. Listening God, take what is closed in us and open it. Take what is distracted in us and settle it. Take what is hurting in us and hold it. Take any and all parts of us that create distance from you, for we are like Peter, O God. We argue what we don't know. We fear what we cannot see. And we almost always speak sooner than we listen. So open us, settle us, hold us, and forgive us. We long to hear you more clearly We long to know you more fully. With hope we pray and with gratitude we confess. Amen. Join in our affirmation of faith. I believe in a God of second chances, a God who sees through my stubbornness and holds my fear with tenderness. I believe that this God of second chances uses ordinary people like Peter to do good in the world. Therefore, I believe and hope that God can use me, too. I believe that from time to time, God invites us to imagine the impossible. I believe that from time to time, God invites us to change our minds. This change is holy and important work, though challenging. When fear and scarcity plague me, or when the impossible feels out of reach, I believe that God meets me with grace and invites me to follow. Thanks be to God for a love like that. Amen.
Receive the benediction. Beloved wanderer, as you leave this place, may you carry your curious heart on your sleeve. May you look for God in every face. May you find the courage to get out of the boat, to run to the tomb, and to speak of your faith. And when the world falls apart, may you hear God's voice deep within, saying, Take heart, it is I. Be not afraid. You are called, you are blessed. In both your ups and your downs, you always belong to God. Go now in peace. Go trusting that good news. Amen.